Can you talk about how patient, how, how tough it is to be patient to get the pitch you need, Jeremy? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if you look at my bats the last couple of weeks, you can tell it's tough. But um, you know, that, that, that's what I wanted to do when it's coming to this game and say, you know, make sure, make them throw strikes to me, uh, not just go up there and swing and, you know, and just praying that's the strike, but actually actually seeing the ball deep and getting, getting pitches to hit. And the key is preparation. To always be able to put your teams in situations that they will they will be successful in, um, and, and, you know, not too much, um, not too little, but just holding players accountable for their their end of the bargain. What can we be praying for you, Greg? Because you've laid out some great things here. Well, I, I think that uh, if you're going to uh, pray for somebody, you got to think that whoever you're praying for, just like everybody else, we're all flawed, and uh, we're all just trying to be as good a people as we can possibly be. And if, if you can do that, I think that you're in good shape. Good shape. I'm going to teach you how to interface with the public. From studio number two in Ardmore, okay. It's sports in the mix with the six-time Stiller Award winning Cedric Bailey. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Sports in the Mix here on the Big Game Christian Sports Network, known as BGC Sports. What an exciting weekend. Of course, we are at the last weekend of the month of January, and I tell you, this month has gone by incredibly fast. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going to go to the East Coast. Let's head northeast uh, to Virginia. The Brooklyn boy, Greg Hyman, is on board. What's up, man? What's going on, everybody out there? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? All right. And let's head down to South to Florida to hang out with the one and only. Enough said, said, Henry. What's up, said? What's going on, world? How's everybody doing? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, man. It was it was a day that we'll never, ever forget because somebody's going to ask the question. And, and, you know, and I just thought about it. Today is uh, uh, Sunday, January the 26th was the birthday of uh, Kirk Franklin, man. And now his birthday is going to have to go down as the date that everybody will remember what they did when they got out of church. Greg, I know you got the text or the message on social media. My dad calls me. Greg, we can go with you first. Then we'll go with you, said. But what were you doing when you got the call about Kobe Bryant? Uh, when I got the call, man, I was – the first thing I said was, um, this isn't real. I said it's got, you know, so much fake news going on in the radio, so many things that's going on in this world. I'm like, man. And then I started doing my investigation, and – I'm like, Kobe's really dead. And it just, it was one of those those moments that was so unreal. Uh, whether you knew him or you didn't know him, you just, you just broke down. So when I first got the call, I was just devastated. Being a Laker fan, you know, it's, it's hard. And Magic Johnson being my favorite player. But Kobe Bryant, and Kobe Bryant became into the league and he became my next favorite. And, I mean, what can we say, man? What can we say, man? We can celebrate his career. Yeah, you're right about that. Sid Henry, your comments, your feedback when you heard the news. Um, I was watching television. We got out of church. I was watching uh, the last, I guess, the last few rounds or the last few sets of the Australian Open, which they had on TV. Swapped it back and forth and was watching the... Uh, Farmers Insurance Golf Tournament with Tiger Woods. And my brother came in the room and he showed me uh, on his phone Kobe Bryant dies in, in, in helicopter crash. And I'm like, is he really dead? You know, you know, I'm thinking maybe he survived, maybe somebody got it wrong. And as you know, more and more time passed, you saw the ESPN break. Uh, uh, break in. You saw uh, CBS break in. But hey, I want to say this once again: it's TMZ. I don't know how they do it, but TMZ broke the story. Yeah, and that was kind of sad the way that they did that. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I, I love the way that they get the facts, but for them to report that before the sheriff's department declared or were able to notify his wife, you know, 
I understand you want to lead with the story because you want to be first. But sometimes being first isn't the best thing. In this case, it wasn't. For me, it wasn't. Well, I'm going to say this right now because you know what? Social media messed up once again. And you know who messed up the most? It was on Twitter. First of all, they reported three people lost their lives. Then they said it was five people. Then we heard it was Rick Fox. I mean, people, we, we can't go on there and put stuff on there. You have to just, just kind of sit back and kind of chill, you know. And now you got to come back and re- retreat different things like this. And then you come find out it's his daughter, his 13-year-old, Giannis, is one of the persons that's on the, on the, on the flight. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was, like I said, it was sad for me that TMZ reported it before um, the sheriff's department could confirm the coroner and everybody could notify the wife and the rest of the, of the families of the people who died on board. You know, um, we used to be, and this is the media, we used to be a, a, a country where facts mattered. And the thing is, um, we've gone away from that. It's whoever reports the story first gets credit for it. And then if it's wrong, they'll come back and apologize. Well, I mean, that's where we got so caught up in, um, like you said, it was, I heard five in the beginning. I didn't hear three. And I thought, I never heard of another parent riding with him and his daughter. I thought it was Colby uh, and maybe the pilot and some other people. And then I found out it was his daughter um, and another player, another player and her, and a parent. And then it went from like you said five to nine. Um, the LA Sheriff's Department reported nine people, and you know it, they said they were going to not report anything else until the coroner comes back with his final results. And that's due to notifying the members of the other families that were involved in the crash. Um, so, you know, it's a sad day because, of course, he was 41. He did so much in the 41 years he was on this earth. He blessed so many people with his gifts, um, his talents, and and all, like, we, like Greg said, all we can do is celebrate his career on and off the court because just as much as he did on the court, he did the same amount off the court. A lot of people don't talk about what he did in the community and what he meant to the city of L.A. because he grew up in L.A. as a 19, 18-year-old, and so did the fans. They grew up with him. So, you know, they they went from seeing him from a, from a 19-year-old kid, 18, 19-year-old kid, teenager, to, you know, when he retired yeah. in 2016. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you'll never forget where you were. You know, he will go down in history as, as when you look back at, John F. Kennedy being assassinated, Martin Luther King being shot. Uh, where were you? Were, where were you when Kobe Bryant? Uh, when it was, you know, when it was announced that Kobe Bryant had died in a plane crash, everybody will remember this day. It will go down in L.A. history, L.A. Laker history, in the history books of, of sports memorabilia everywhere. Well, let me. I'm gonna go ahead and say this: is I'm gonna try to bring. Uh, Andre uh, Russell uh, to the call. Uh, he did call me back just then. Uh, I do want to bring Greg in, in the uh, lineup too as well. Uh, did I, is it true that Mark Cuban wants to retire the number 24 with the Dallas Mavericks as well? Is that what you're hearing, Greg? Yeah, Mark Cuban says the number 24 will never be worn again um, and by any Dallas Maverick, which to me that says a lot for the, the game. That the, the respect that Mark had, Cuban has for basketball, we know he's a big fan. But for him to come out and this, the Lakers isn't even his team. He 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 owns another team, and that is the the magnitude that Kobe left on the game. That nobody on this Dallas Mavericks team, as high being owner, will ever wear the number twenty four. Well, says a lot about Mark Cuban. Yeah, and then there was one other player who wore the number forty two. And that would have been Jerry Stackhouse. And, of course, right now, Cleva wears the number 42. And in baseball, they retire that number. Hello. Hey, Andre Russell is on the call. Folks, say hello. We got uh, Seth Henry. He's in Florida. We got the Brooklyn boy, Greg Hyman, out of Virginia. Say hello to Andre Russell from KJLA. covers the Lakers. Andre, say hello to the fellas. What's going on, Russ? 
Hey, fellas, how you doing, man? Good to talk to all you guys. Good to talk to you too, man. Man, let yeah. me let me let me let me just say this before I bring you on, Andre, to say something. But you know, Andre and I probably could relate to this because we're a little bit older than you guys. But when I thought about this, the only other player I could think that made an impact in the world like this comes from baseball, and that is Roberto Clemente. Andre, would you agree on that? Uh, absolutely. You know, I was, I've talked to so many people today, veterans and guys from the league, coaches, and, and some of them even said that. They said, you know, in our lifetime, this is one of the one of the biggest that passings to happen in that manner. Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to say that. Clemente happened in 72. So, yeah, I, I would have to say this is in that same realm. Can you tell us what happened? What were you doing, man? Because uh, you guys, you know, you're two hours behind us, three hours for, you know, from the East Coast. But when you got the news, I mean, I know you was like, man, this is not no fake news. Your comments, Andre. Okay, I was getting ready to go on the air because I go on the air uh, L.A. time at 12 noon on Sunday. So this was about an hour before my show time. And a good friend of mine who's very reliable, an attorney, sent me a, no, she called me. She called me and said, hey, did you see this? And I said, uh, see what, did you hear about Kobe Bryant? And I said, what about it? She said, the magic three letters, TMZ is reporting that Kobe Bryant, you know, was killed in a helicopter crash. And when I heard TMZ, my heart sank, because I know they're, nowadays they're like the Bible, man. When they say stuff, generally it's true, or very close to it, you know what I mean? And I said, what? And she said, yeah, we got some stuff. They haven't released it yet, but TMZ is about to release a story about Kobe. And uh, I was like, what? And they had got the story. TMZ apparently got it from some of the dispatchers, folks that called 911. They had got it from some of the dispatchers for the sheriff's department. They were about to release it. And I hadn't heard a thing. So I started calling people. The first person I heard from was Ron Harper, who used to play, you guys remember Ron Harper? Oh, yeah. First yes. thing Ron said in a text was, say it ain't so. And I went, oh, man, this is getting out, you know. So I called the L.A. Times. I figured they might have some stuff, some of my contacts there, people who cover the Lakers to see if they knew anything. And they hadn't heard a thing. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is a hoax. Maybe it's, you know, not, not true. But the more I checked around, the more people started to say, well, wait a minute. I called one of the local TV stations. I called Jim Hill, who works on Channel 2, who's a news anchor there. And I called different ones, and everybody was saying, well, no, I haven't heard anything. Well, wait a minute, something's coming in now. So I said, oh, man. So then that's that's how it started with me. And then check in and my phone started blowing up and I started getting calls literally all over the country. And the Lakers, I tried to talk to them, their team, they were in the air traveling back from Philadelphia. So I couldn't get anybody on the plane, all the current PR team, coaches, players, they all on the plane. So that's how I first heard about it. Wow, it's amazing, man. You know, and it's and and then uh, I, I gotta I take a break here in about the next three or four minutes. But when you hear the news, his daughter is on the copter. What goes through your mind? Well, your his daughter. And, and, and I start hearing different things about that. Some people said, "Oh, all of his daughters are on there. Just the wife is the only one not on there." So you start getting all kind of conflicting reports. And here's one that, that hit out here, and I don't know where this came from. Everybody, I kept getting a lot of reports saying Rick Fox was on the plane with him. Yep, we so heard that. I don't that. know where that came from. So, I'm sorry? So, so who was actually else on the plane? I, I think there was a baseball coach. Is that what we're hearing? There was a, there was a, but yeah, so far it's only six people. There's still three names they haven't released yet because they want to notify Ken, first to Ken first. Rick Fox, we haven't heard any. His agent, his attorney rather said he was not on the plane. That's what Rick's attorney said. Um... It's a, a baseball coach of a, a, a local college team out in um, Orange County. He was on there along with his wife and their kid. And I think their kid was one of the girls who was friends with Kobe's daughter who played on, on her basketball team. They were on their way to Kobe's uh, Mamba Academy, which he has a lot of kids. And it's like where travel teams go to play. Yeah, I'm, and, um, I'm looking at it. It says, and his brother uh, his is a Orange Coast College. His name is John Atabelli. He was one of the av- yeah. victims. Uh, also, assistant coach, uh, his brother, uh, Ron LaRuffer, uh, is the one that confirmed that they told CNN and said that his yeah. wife, Carrie, and daughter, Alyssa, were also on the plane. So that's a family right there. You know, a family. Yep, yep. You know. So I think the daughter, Alyssa, was the one that was friends with Kobe's daughter. Yeah. So they were all on the plane. And I'm not sure, of course, the, the pilot, Kobe and his daughter. So I'm not sure... That's six. So there was three names I still haven't heard yet. They still haven't. They said they know who they are, but they're not going to release the names yet until they notify first of Ken. Wow. I, have, I don't have names yet for that one. Wow. And, um, 
You know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this video. Somebody actually caught a, it's a horrible image of the, the copter going down and bursting in the, pl in, the, in the flames. You know, so I'm sure they were killed on impact the way it looks because it exploded as soon as it hit the ground. It was going down kind of like nose first. And I don't know what happened. It was a really foggy morning in L.A. this morning. I don't know what happened. They were out in the valley not far from where they were going to. So I don't know if they were leaving on their way. I haven't gotten those details yet. But all I know is that's why he was trying to get to the, the academy where all those kids were, were there to play basketball this morning. All right. Hey, we're talking here on the Big Game Christian Sports Network. Cedric Henry hanging out with us in Florida. Greg Hyman, the Brooklyn boy, and, of course, uh, Virginia. And then Andre Russell. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and break down some of the great moments, and we're going to talk about moments, about Kobe, the championships, everything. You know his boy Shaq. Everybody is responding on it. We'll be right back after this on the Big Game Christian Sports Network. Deep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting RELAX to 84888. That's keyword R-E-L-I-X to 84888. Data rates may apply. Welcome back. We are here talking sports. I'm Cedric Bailey along with Andre Russell from Los Angeles, Greg Hyman, the Brooklyn boy, and Cedric Henry from out of Florida. Enough said. Greg, favorite moment? When did you become a Laker fan? And I know, uh, I mean, you, you got to know about Kobe because, you know, uh, Ced was talking about, about him uh, being in L.A., but he, sir, his father was in the military. And if I think I, I ran into Kobe, this is a true story. When we were in, in uh, at the Mavericks game, and I walked in there with a shirt that says Ardmore High School, he looks at me and he kind of freezes. He said, "You, what do you know about Ardmore?" I said, "Well, my hometown, Ardmore, Oklahoma, was named after your town of Ardmore, Pennsylvania, and it's a suburb of Philly." So he went to school at. Lauren Marion High School. And, of course, we do know his father. What's the, what's the deal in him and his father? His, his father played basketball. Could you break that down a little bit, if you would, please, Andre? Yeah, his dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant, was a former player in the NBA. He also played in Italy when Kobe was, a, was, was born. When Kobe was a little kid, he grew up and spent a lot of time in Italy. Uh, that's how come Kobe speaks a number of, of languages fluently. This guy speaks both Spanish uh, Italian, you know, he was very fluent, very smart guy. And even though, as you guys know, he didn't go to college, came into the pros out of high school, he was very, very educated and very smart guy. But he grew up in Italy, spent a lot of time there when Joe Jellybean Bryant, his dad, was playing in Italy. And then, uh, of course, Joe later played for the Philadelphia 76ers and he played in the NBA, I believe played for the Rockets for a minute and other teams. So that's how Kobe ended up with the with the with the roots from Italy, if you will. His dad was a six nine forward, played on that team with Dr. J, George McGinnis, uh, World Be Free, Daryl Dawkins. He was one of the guys on those uh, Philly teams back then. Yeah, definitely remember World Be Free, man, because he played for them and then played for the Golden State Warriors and won a, uh, a championship. And I do definitely remember the name of George McGinnis. But you know, Kobe was supposed to be going to college, and if I think correctly. It was Duke. Did you guys remember that? Coach K was going to sign yeah. him or so? Is that right? Yeah. Coach Kobe was going to go to Duke, but he was so good. And, you know, scouts told him that and told his dads and people that, look, this kid will go in the top 15 if he goes to the pros. You know, so, of course, they opted to go to the pros. Jerry West was really high on him. He would given him high grades. Jerry West scouted him and said he was one of the best prospects he had ever seen. And, of course, the Lakers were able to swing a trade with the um, – with, with Charlotte at the time, got rid of Vlade Divac and was able to bring Kobe in. Uh, his first year in the league, man, I remember him when uh, when he – man, he sure loved to shoot that three. He used to shoot some air balls, wouldn't he, back in the day? 
Oh yeah, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't a great player in the beginning. It took him a couple of years. He was really popular, you know. He could dunk and he had that flair, and he was a young kid, so all the kids loved him. All the youngsters were flocked to the games. Remember one year when he was really really young, he was one of the top vote getters for the NBA All Star game. Not so much on talent, but just for popularity. You know, being young. Remember he went to the prom with Brandy, and then he got dra- You know, came into the NBA. So he was popular, but no, it was a couple of years before he was good because. He was playing behind some some pretty well-known guards, Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel. You know, he didn't start over those guys. But eventually, you know, he came along. But it took him a couple of years, but he worked really hard. He's the hardest-working athlete I've ever seen in my career besides Michael George. Never seen anybody work that hard. That's why he and Shaq clashed. He wanted Shaq to work that hard and to be great. And Shaq wasn't a hard worker, per se. Shaq had great talent. He He was big and he was huge. But Shaq didn't want to practice and do the things that Kobe did, and they clashed. And that was the main reason why. All right, Sid. Hey, you guys go ahead and ask Andre the questions, man. Let's walk through his journey, man. Let's talk about it. Go ahead, Greg. Come on, well, Sid. Let me, just, let me just jump in there before you guys start. You can ask me anything. I was literally there when Kobe got off the bus at 17 years old because I was working for the Lakers at the time. I was the DJ. I was a PA announcer with the team. I was the hype man with the Lakers. So I was literally working for the Lakers from 1992 to 2003. So anything you guys want to know, I was right there. When he got to the NBA Summer League game at 17 and he stepped off this bus, I pulled him to the side, introduced myself, and I gave him a man-to-man talk. And guess what it was about? It was about not basketball, but it was about groupies. I told him to watch out for groupies. There was certain, certain, we had a certain number of groupies that showed up at every game, and they would go after the young guys. Now, these women were in their 30s, but they went after the young guys. So I pulled Kobe aside. Some of them were at that game that day. I pointed them out to him told him what to watch out for, and to this day, he and I were really close. So would that, relationship so starting would, day. So would that been at Inglewood at the Forum? No, that was at Long Beach State. That was the NBA Summer League, which is now in Las Vegas. But at that time, it was at uh, Long Beach State. The Lakers did play at the Forum, but this was Summer League. This was in July, 1st of July. All right. Had, this, was about two weeks, this was about two weeks after the draft. Was that the 96 draft? Yes, the 96 draft, exactly. I got you. So go ahead, fellas. Go ahead and talk to him. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't really have any questions. I mean, we've we've been on the phone with uh, Andre before, and Andre is the West Coast. He knows the West Coast, so there's really nothing that I want to ask because his life to me just speaks for itself. I mean, his career. I mean, just stats alone: five-time NBA champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP, one-time NBA. MVP, two-time scoring champion, 17-time NBA All-Star, four-time NBA All-Star MVP, 15 times on the All-NBA team, 12 times the 15. I could go on and on. So, I mean, we, we know Andre has covered the Lakers for so many years, and just the stats that I named and just read, I mean, it, it's more to it. But Kobe's life, his legacy, what his father Set, set out for Kobe with learning the languages and going overseas and learning the business. I mean, it's the fact that I, Andre has been around it and it's great. Like we can talk to Andre because he's lived pretty much this whole entire Kobe career and he's been around Kobe. And that's, that's great. And, and it, you know it, what, and you know what, do you remember who the coach was at that time? Wasn't it Dale Harris at that time? It was, Yes, very good. It was it Dale was, Harris. Yeah, was. Yep, yep, it was. I remember that. But yeah, they had players, Elvin Campbell, on that team, Cedric Sabalos, all on those teams. They had those guys. Yeah, George Lynch, yeah, players like that. Yeah. Uh, Sam Henry. Yes, um, Andre, how you doing, man? Um, hey, I agree with you. Hey, Kobe, Kobe's Kobe's life stands out. Um. I, I, I just remember saying, said, Bailey, you can attest to this. I remember looking at a documentary and you mentioned Joe Jellybean, Brian, you know, playing ball in Italy and said, I don't know if you knew this, but Kobe and one of Duncanville's own, Tamika, Tamika Catching, grew up together in Italy. Yep. Playing mm-hmm. basketball because her father played basketball in Italy as well with with Kobe's yep. dad, and they grew up mm-hmm. playing ball. That's how she became so good because she played against Kobe as a young as a young teenager, and I think that's where his love 
for women's basketball came into effect because we all know Kobe loved basketball. It didn't matter if it was kids, if it was women. You know, he just loved the game of basketball. And everybody talked right. about how he uh, wanted more. He was trying to talk to young kids as far as younger players to get them involved in uh, a life after basketball, getting prepared for life after basketball to make that transition. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't know of anybody that made a smoother transition after basketball than Kobe Bryant. Right. You know, there's some there's so many guys in the league right now, young guys, and, you know, most of the league is in their 20s. He mentored so many of those guys, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple that he talked to all the time and he helped. One is uh, Tatum with the uh, Boston Celtics. That's one of yes. his guys. Also, Kyrie Irving. There's a number of guys around the league that Kobe mentored to this day. And I know these guys are torn up and broken apart, you yeah, know, because they really looked up to him and Kyrie he helped them a lot. Kyrie didn't even play on Sunday. He didn't play. Wow, really? Yeah. Mm. You'll see that on the news, but he didn't play. Yeah. But, but you know what, man? It's amazing because after you mentioned, like, Van Exel and everything left, then uh, Captain, you know, they used to call uh, Dale Harris his crazy name, you know, like from a, some movie character. So, but that's when yeah. it got interested in 1999 because the triangle was brought to LA and Phil Jackson yep. was the coach. You know, he had to be excited mm-hmm. because he has the coach that coached his idol, Michael Jackson. So walk us through that because I think during that time period, wasn't that when the uh, the Spurs had the twin towers with Duncan and, of course, Robinson? Because that was that was the team they couldn't beat. And I think that's what got Dale Harris let go because they couldn't beat him. That's why they went and got Phil Jackson. Talk to us about 1999. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. Because the Lakers had brought in Dennis Rodman the year before. They brought in Phil. And they still couldn't get by the Spurs, you know. And they brought in Phil, and when Phil came in, and he brought in all of his assistant coaches, and they in, he brought in Tex Winter, Jim Clemens, all these great assistants. They installed the triangle, and Phil sold it on him, on Kobe and uh, Shaq. And it was easy to sell it on Kobe because Kobe, like you said, was a was a Michael Jordan just just clone. He loved Michael Jordan, and everything he did, he tried to tailor it after Jordan. And it, when Phil said, "Hey, this will work," boom! It didn't take long for it to sink in with Kobe. And then and, and, and Shaq bought into it, and then, boom, the, the dynasty was on, you know. They didn't get along great because of basically the work ethic. Shaq, uh, Kobe complained about Shaq's work, work ethic. But other than that, you know, Phil Jackson was the magician, and he made it all work, and they won three in a row. Wow, amazing on that. Now, what game was it that Kobe, didn't he score 81 points in one game? Yeah, he played, scored 81 against the Toronto Raptors. And most of those points was on Jalen Rose that game. <laughs> but he wore the Raptors out. Yeah, he had 81. His final game, he had 60. He had, I mean, you know, he has just tons of records. He's like Jordan. He just, he has tons of records and, and, and accomplishments and feats that he did as a player. And the thing about Kobe, man, was stood out to me. This guy was fearless. He wasn't afraid of anybody. He didn't care how big they were. And teams, teams lots of times would try to put a 6'9 or a 6'10 guy on him and some of these guys with great wingspan to try to slow him down. Kobe welcomed that. Now, those guys, as you know, you can't name a player in the NBA that was able ever able to shut him down. He used to laugh like Bruce Bowen with birds when they tried to say he could stop Kobe. Yeah. Or um or Rajah Bell with the Phoenix Suns, you know, when they said he could stop Kobe. Kobe laughed at that. Yeah. None of those guys could do anything with Kobe. He he'd eat him alive, you know. Yeah. And um, he, he laughed at it. He was fearless, man. Nobody could stop him. And, you know, he didn't he didn't talk a lot of trash, but he was tough as nails, and he was mean, and he believed in just killing another team, you know, wearing them out. Well, you know, and he wanted teammates like that. When he had teammates that were soft, they had to go. That yeah. was the kind he didn't like. He didn't yeah. want them. Yeah. Well, in two thousand, I think wasn't that the year when they played Reggie uh, and uh, Jermaine and them in the uh, championship, the finals, the Indiana Pacers. During that time period, because you yeah. had you had clutch right, right. on top of clutch, and then Robert Horry playing that team too well, or was he with San Antonio and then he came over? How was it? Robert Horry was was with the Lakers during that time. He was with the Lakers during the championship runs. Yeah, yep. They had Robert Horry. They had they had veterans. They went out and picked up veterans like like Brian Shaw and Ron Hopper and and guys like AC Green. They had John Sally. They picked up a lot of veteran players to help help out with the younger boys, the Derek Fishers, the Teron Lewis the Kobe's, you know, so they had a veteran presence to help out. And, you know, it was on. Yeah, Shaq in the middle. They, and then that last year, 
it fell apart when they brought in Carl Malone and uh, Gary Payton. That was 2004 after they had already won three in a row. And that was the year Kobe had some trouble, the legal trouble and stuff. Remember? But if they, they would have kept, kept, Gary Payton was telling me the other day, if they had kept that team together, he felt like they could have won a couple of championships, even though that year Carl Malone was injured in the finals and Detroit swept them. But he felt like they would have given him another chance. They could have still won some together, but the team broke up after that. Man, the Western Conference was so amazing during that time period. You already had Carl Malone and John Stockton with the Utah Jazz. And then you had yep. the Portland Trailblazers, the Seattle Supersonics. Remember that team with Sean Kemp and, and, and the crew during that time period? So who do you think oh, yeah. was, was the most craziest series during that time period? I'm going to have to say when you guys played the Portland Trailblazers during that time it was, period. It was, it was definitely. Portland had the Lakers down three games to one, and they thought they had them beat. Rasheed Wallace and all those guys won that Portland team. You know, they had, a, they had a pretty good team during that time. And they just knew they had the Lakers beat. And the Lakers were down 3-1, but they came back and won that, stole that game. They were down like 20 points, came back and stole that game. And once they evened it up, they, they got – but, yeah, Portland was the biggest threat. But Portland just wasn't ready. They just couldn't get by the Lakers. Remember, they picked up Scottie Pippen. Portland did, you know, and they they just couldn't get past them. Yeah, Edelman Edelman just didn't have it. He 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 lost out with Portland, and then he went to Sacramento and lost out when they faced the Lakers. So he just the Lakers was his Achilles' heel. He just couldn't get by. Them. Right. Now, what about yeah, that? They, they were just, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. But said 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 that they just couldn't get by him during that time period, and and you were saying something. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying the Lakers were just tough. They had such a well-rounded team. Once you plug those veterans in there with the young guys, they had a really balanced squad. You know what I mean? They could they could go with the veteran guys, and and Phil Jackson was just the puppeteer. You know, remember they had Rick Fox on the team, and they just had a really well really well balanced team. You know, defense, offense, whatever you needed. They had it. And Kobe was just explosive, man. He could give you 40 like nothing. Shaq could give you 40 like it was nothing. So it was tough to beat those two monsters. And then you had, remember they brought in Glenn Rice? They had a sharpshooter. Glenn Rice, they brought in cats like that. So they had a really good squad, man. All three of those years, they had a really good roster. Can we talk so about they, they, what happened to them during that 2002 to 2000? You know, the incident that happened to them in Colorado how did that uh, affect the uh, – he was arrested or something crazy. Can you kind of recap and tell us yeah, what he, happened during that time period? Well, he, yeah, he was charged with, with uh, you know, with rape or whatever. The girl charged him with rape. And something that was that was not fair that I felt like to this day – I was just talking about this the other day, ironically. Kobe never spoke about that because the cops secretly recorded Kobe talking. They thought Kobe thought he was just talking to a couple other men. And they were talking about, yeah, and he was being secretly recorded. Well, history will show they say Kobe was a snitch. And that's really not like it was. Kobe was just talking to two guys. And they said, oh, man, what, you guys have girls after you every day, huh? And Kobe's just talking, saying, man, these groupies are all over us. They're after all of us. They're after me. They're after Shaq. They're after all of us. Now, that's how he said it. But it came out like he was snitching, like Shaq does it. This guy does it. And that's not how it was. And plus, the cops were secretly recording him. And they were the ones who gave it to the press. But history will show that Kobe was a snitch, and that's not how it was. He wasn't telling on anybody. He was just talking, saying these groupies are chasing all of us. They chase all the players, you know. The girl, you know, filed the rape charge, which was later thrown away because this girl was shown to be getting around with a lot of players and this, that, and the other. She went up to Kobe's room. She knocked on his door, you know, and something happened, whatever. But during that season, Kobe was flying back and forth for trial in Colorado. That disrupted the team. It threw them off. That was the year Carl Malone and Gary Payton first arrived. Uh, and um, so that threw them off. Yeah, they, they didn't have the great team chemistry that year. And, it, and then later Malone got hurt. And then later is even some stuff went down between Malone and his wife and Kobe and his wife. And they fell out, you know, about some stuff. He said Carl Malone made advances towards his wife, this, that, and the other. Kobe said that. So it, it, that turned out to be a disaster that whole year, wow. you know, and then it fell apart. Wow. But – 
Yeah, that trial threw things off for them. If not for that, they probably they had a really good shot to win it that year. They made it to the finals anyway, but then when they got to the finals, Detroit took them out. Yeah, we remember about that one. Hey, listen, you're listening to yeah. Sports in the Mix here on the Big Game Christian Sports Network. Cedric Bailey, Cedric Henry, Greg Hyman, and Andre Russell joining us all the way from Los Angeles, KJLH, a station that Stevie Wonder runs right there. Andre also works with the L.A. Sparks. We're going to talk about Kobe and his connection and more. And, of course, we got to remember the reunion. You can't forget when Kobe and Shaq hooked up. But this time, Kobe was going against Shaq with the Miami Heat. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more, so keep it right here. Start with Lowe's and save big to update your bathroom. Because when you spend up to $1,000 or more on select vanities, faucets, toilets, and more during our bath event, you can get up to $250 back via Lowe's gift card rebate. And shop our store and save event to pick up an Edsel 72-inch by 48-inch 5-tier steel freestanding shelving unit for $10 less, now $79.98. Whatever it takes to get the job done right, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 2-5, U.S. only. Howdy folks, Colonel Sanders here, and I never exaggerate when it comes to fried chicken. But KFC Original Recipe Fried Chicken is the most delicious chicken in the history of the universe. And now you get two pieces of my 11 Herbs and Spices Masterpiece as a two-piece $5 fill-up with mashed potatoes and gravy, a biscuit, a cookie, and a drink. Or if that's not your thing, you can get one of my other $5 fill-up meals. Get a $5 fill-up delivered or at a KFC. KFC, it's finger-licking good. Limited time only, prices and participation may vary, tax extra. Delivery service and additional fees apply. And welcome back here on Sports in the Mix here on the Big Gang Christian Sports Network. Cedric Bailey, Andre Russell, Greg Hyman, and Cedric Hendry. Okay, now here we go. Andre, let's let's talk about this because uh, when Shaq had to go play against uh, uh, Kobe, and it was in Miami, uh, they all shocked everybody, hugged, shook hands, went to the All-Star game. What was that 2006? Talk about that moment, if you would, please. Well, you know, Shaq and Kobe, it wasn't, you know, they, the media tried to act like they hated each other and it was so bad. It really wasn't. They liked each other. At times they played and had a good time. They just had disputes at times when he was with, when Shaq was with the Lakers about work ethic. It's something Kobe would fuss about. He, I never forget one time he yelled at Shaq, you know, get your butt out here and run with us. And Shaq said, you know, whatever, F you or something. And then they got in each other's face and Shaq slapped Kobe down. But Kobe got up ready to fight. He didn't care about how big Shaq was. Kobe was a tough son of a gun, man. And he was fearless. I give him credit for that. He was but it was all about, he would say, Shaq, you, you ain't in shape, and Shaq would say, forget you, and it was all, it was just that kind of stuff. But when they got together for that reunion, or when they got paid, you know, years later, once Shaq was in Miami, it was no big deal. Sure, Shaq wanted to beat him, and Kobe wanted to beat Shaq, but they didn't dislike each other then, you know. It was, it was, it was worse when, uh, when uh, Westbrook and Durant went at it after years, you know, after they'd been separated, you know what I mean? Yeah. It really wasn't as bad as, as you think. Well, let's... So, that's you know you're right about Dwayne that. Wade had a great great relationship because they were almost teammates. The Lakers really wanted Dwayne Wade in the trade. Pat Riley said yes, but then he changed his mind at the last minute yeah. and said no, he wouldn't send him Wade. That's what the Lakers really wanted. They almost ended up with Dwayne Wade and Kobe together. Think about that. Wow. Well, let's go back to 2007 when the announcement came that Bryant said that he did not he wanted to be traded if Jerry West did not return to the team with full authority. Now, I think that's about that time that the, the logo, Wes, ended up going across uh, town to the to the Clippers. Can you talk about that? And then what, what was the riff with Stephen A. Smith during that time period? Well, first, now first, Jerry West left and went to Memphis for a while, you know, and because he said he felt betrayed by, um, by uh, Jerry Buss. He was mad when Buss brought in Phil Jackson and paid him all that money. And Jerry West was making two and a half million at that time. He brought in Phil making five million and Phil had, Phil had uh, authority. You know, Phil was, Phil had the cloud around the organization. West said he felt disrespected. And that's when he left and got out of there. Now, Kobe Bryant. Uh, yeah. He, Jerry West said today, Jerry was crying today saying that Kobe's like, he felt like he lost the son. They were really, really close. But Kobe did say, Kobe almost signed with the Clippers. He had actually told the Clippers, it's a done deal. I'm leaving the Lakers. He was a free agent. And Clippers had a deal with him. They actually had announced within the organization that I also worked for the Clippers for four years. For a while, I was working for both organizations, believe it or not, at the same time. The Clippers said, we got a deal. We got Kobe Bryant. But then Kobe's agent, they got on the phone. Jerry Buss said, hey, I'll give you what you want. Let's work this out. 
and then Kobe changed his mind, called the Clippers and said, sorry, I changed my mind. I'm going to stay with the Lakers. Wow. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know about a Stephen A. Smith angle back then. I'm not sure about that part. All right. Well, I just know that they were pretty tight, too, as well. But I do know during that time period, he got Paul Gasol on the team. And guess what? They got back in there. They had to go, go up against the Nuggets. And they found their uh, self-beating San Antonio. And then that was the showdown to go up against who? The Boston Celtics? Is that about right or so? Yep. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, they lost the first year to the Celtics in the finals. I think it was 2008. That's when that's when uh, uh, Doc had all of his guys. You know, he had all five of his guys, Garnett and Pierce and Rondo and and uh, you know, he had his he had his five artists, you know, he felt like he was Perkins and those guys. He felt like he was Hellas and Ray Allen. And they did have a good team. They beat the Lakers. Second year, Lakers got him. Two years in a row, then the Lakers won the championship. And remember Lamar Odom, they got Lamar Odom on the team and, and Kobe felt like, Now this is my team. Let me show everybody how good I am. And they they, they took it out. You know, it was basically the, their big three then was Kobe Gasol and Lamar Odom. Wow. Fellas, what do y'all think about his career and what, what uh, my man is saying? Because this is just incredible. Yeah, Kobe, Kobe is, man, I'll tell you, in my opinion, he's, he's the, you know, I, I say the greatest, greatest player that I've ever seen in my lifetime, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant. Those are the three best I've seen with my eyes in person, you know, up close. Those three are just, in my opinion, just amazing players. And Kobe Bryant and his work ethic, man, and the way he practiced, he would be his teammates in practice. You would think they'd be in a game. He practiced hard. And he didn't just want to score on you. He wanted to embarrass you. He would dunk on his teammates all day, every day. He didn't care who you were. He wanted to show you, like, hey, don't, don't come in with this soft stuff. I'm going to block it. And if you don't defend me, I'm going I'm to dunk on you. And that's how he talked to his teammates, you know. He was tough, and he, he wanted to be great. And he didn't hang out a lot. A lot of people thought he was, like, antisocial. Most of the time on the road, Kobe would be in his room Believe it or not, studying tape or watching movies or something. You know, he he didn't want to be out. He he was all about playing ball and wanted to be out. You know, Jordan could stay out all night. Mike could come in at five in the morning. Mike would come out here and go to the forum club and hang out all night and party and smoke cigars and play golf until nine in the morning and then show up and score fifty points. But Kobe, on the other hand, he was like Mike at the on the court, but away from the court, he was opposite of Jordan. He he didn't do a lot of partying or anything. Kobe, I've never once seen him in a nightclub in L.A. He just he never hung out like that. That yeah, wasn't him. One thing I can say, when he traveled, he didn't have, like, this entourage uh, like we see nope. with LeBron. You know, LeBron has that sure. entourage. S- same thing with Dwayne Wade, uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I mean, but, no, it wasn't like that with him, you know. You know, after Kobe went through the trial and had that legal trouble, then he started going with He had a bodyguard with him, but that would be it. He wouldn't have uh... – a whole lot of entourage. You just see a bodyguard, that bodyguard would drive him to and from wherever he was going. And see, that's kind of led to the helicopter thing because the traffic in L.A., as everybody knows, can be treacherous. Kobe didn't want to sit, and he moved out to Orange County. So he lived out in Newport Beach. Newport's about, from L.A., or say from the Forum or the Staples Center, you're talking about maybe 50 miles, you know, or something like that. So Kobe didn't want to be in that traffic two hours, two and a half hours, so he, got, he started riding helicopters to and from practice, to and from games, and then he bought his own helicopter, and that's what crashed this morning. You know, he had his own helicopter to take him places, and so that's that's what led to uh, his death this morning. Sid, um, anything that you suggest that we, if we had to sell the Lakers anything, I mean, how do we recognize a guy for what he's done? Because I like what he did after the career and, and the things he did and the role of being a father. He just had a young baby born. Said, I mean, how can we remember this 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 uh, great basketball player? Actually, he and actually he's one all time. He just won what an Emmy, right? An Emmy, and, and he has a, he was involved with music. You know, that's why the Grammys were re- uh, recognizing him tonight. He had a record label, and then also Kobe. If you remember, he made a rap record early in his career. He loved music. He was always into music. Yeah. You know, we always talked about music, and we always talked about football. His football team was the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. So we loved him some Eagles. Yeah. But one thing I correct you on, actually, Kobe just had a baby girl. He had four girls. He never got a boy. He kept trying to have a baby boy. He never had a boy. He had four girls. Yeah. Well, I just, it's just so sad. And for the daughter, man, to go down, man, it's just it sad. Sad, yeah. go ahead, man. Go ahead, Sam. Um, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, when you look at his career, uh, and, and I always talk about, we know what he did in basketball. It's, it's what they do, what athletes do off the court that I admire most. Um, I was listening to Dave, David Fisdale talk about Kobe earlier on ESPN, the jump with 
uh, Jalen Rose and uh, Richard Jefferson and everything. And he was talking about how watching the Lakers showtime with magic and everything growing up in L.A. made him want to go into coaching. And then when they saw Kobe come to the Lakers and how they watched him grow. And it's like he touched so many people in, in that L.A. community as far as a fan and watching him grow up and just doing things in the community, being involved, you know, watching watching his daughter play basketball. And and Rebecca Lobo talked about how he had impacted the WNBA as well, watching the Sparks and coming to the women's games and the college games. And it's just all of these things left unsaid about athletes and what they do off the court. That's the thing that I like to focus on because we see how hard he played the game. And he we know if he played it that hard on the court, we know when he transitioned or he left the court, he did the exact same thing. And that, that gets unsaid and left behind. And I, I just think he was uh, a, 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 model, a model human being. Um, he gave everything to, to life, uh, into helping others. Uh, he's a humble human being. And, and I just wish that, you know, these younger kids could see how this young man worked hard and, and how the hard work paid. And he just never settled. He always had another goal set for himself once he achieved the goal that he had, he had reached. Absolutely, well, man. Well said. He, yep. Yeah, when he was older, at the press conferences after the game, you know, he was so – so real. You know, if you ask him a question about the defense the other team was playing or what do they need to do to get better, he was speaking like a coach, and he would be really honest. You know, he wouldn't bite his tongue and say stuff. You know, if they suck that night, he'd say, man, we suck. You know, we got our, we got our butt beat or whatever. But, no, he was, he was a solid cat. And after he retired, like you were saying, brother, he, he poured his soul into writing those books, those children's books and things he was doing and doing those, those movies. He said – I still get up early in the morning and I go in my, you know, gym at home and I'll run, hit the treadmill, work out hard. And then I go sit behind the desk and do what I'm going to do. So he's, I try to have the same work ethic doing that as I did playing basketball. All right, Greg Hyman, man, you get the final three or four minutes to share your thoughts and your reflections, man, because this is, we're going to, we're going to remember this one, man. Go ahead, Greg. I mean, I really don't, I already gave my accolades. I mean, it's like you get speechless. Like you get, uh, it's almost like you're lost for words. Well, what do you, I, let me I, ask I, you I this. Can let, let me ask you this question. And I just thought about it. You're a basketball coach. Usually when you give out right. numbers and you give out numbers, think about this. What are the top three numbers that your players in your league want? Greg Hyman. Um, it was, it, it was, a lot of people, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I had one kid on my team that had 24, mm-hmm. and she had another kid that had eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we're talking about Chicago at 12 and 13 and 14, so they haven't really lived the 20 years of Kobe's career. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing you said about me being a basketball coach is that I group text my kids today and the parents, and they're just letting them know that there's a reason why I do what I do. I, I want these kids to, when they look back 20 years, and say, man, Coach Greg Hyman was one of the best coaches I ever had, and that was on the AAU level. So Kobe impacted each and every one of our lives. And I, like I said, I can listen to Andre just keep talking and talking, and that's why I've just been very quiet because well, me let me being just, 42, uh, years, 42 years old, I lived the whole one-year opening Kobe. Well, so, let me just say this. Me and Andre, we can relate. They wanted magic jerseys. They wanted number 33 for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Myself, I was mm-hmm. a Moses, Moses Malone man, and if I couldn't get that, I wanted Dr. J's number. You know what I mean? But yeah. if you, if you mm-hmm. wore that number, you had to make sure you played like the number you had. If you didn't, they talked trash to you on the streets. Like, no, you come back when you can play to wear that number. Is that what you face, Andre? Because I know that's what I face. I, I'm just going to tell you. If not, you better wear number 90, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, man. I mean, hey, Dr. J was my idol. That's who I grew up wanting to be. Like him and Magic Johnson were the two I wanted the numbers. Yeah. yeah. Those were my two. Well, Andre. But like, now, all they want Kobe's number eight or number 24. They want the Black Mamba. Yeah. They want one of his numbers. So what, what did your listeners say? What were some of the moments? What did you get the most out of the call there on KJLH there in Los Angeles? And all day today for six hours from noon to six, we're taking calls. I had a lot of former players, coaches, various people on the air, some of the, some NBA guys, you know, and it was, but, but what got me was some, when, from the regular listener, just the regular listeners that called up and got on the radio, you know, even some pastors that had perspective about Kobe and what they were saying. Some people crying as they, you know, express their emotions and their thoughts. And it's just amazing. The love people have for him, man, you know, just an outpouring of love. It's an outpouring of love. You know, they talked about how Nipsey Hussle, how big his funeral was out here in L.A. when he died. Well, this is going to be just ten times that. You know, one past, one, one ex-coach, Matt Calvin, who was a Hall of Famer in ABA, and he also coached the Clippers for a while, and he was assistant coach with the Bucks and some other teams. Matt Calvin said he thought Kobe's death would pull the world together. And his perspective for that was because his, Kobe transcended race. He was like, everybody loved him, all races. And today, we were seeing so much of that out here. Everybody was together. You didn't see any racism today. Even President Obama, you know, released an amazing, you know, tweet and comment and statement about Kobe and his family and how much, how, how bad it hurt him and his wife to see Kobe lose his daughter and for Kobe to lose his life like that. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, because they, they was glad to see him come to the White House. Oh, yeah. We, we, we wasn't no hamburgers in. They was eating steaks. They was eating good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know. You even had the dude in the White House now even release a, a, a tweet and didn't say anything negative about him for change. Somebody, you know, didn't release something negative. But it's like, man, it's like everybody loved that. You had to respect him. Even if you didn't like him, you had to respect him as a player. He was one of the best. Well, know, one of the best. Well, Andre, we thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Sid. And uh, we're going to have to come back later on. There'll be some more updates. And I'm pretty sure you'll be watching on ESPN2 uh, or something. They're going to show all the championship games. And you're going to see all oh, the yeah. legends come up. Even the Clippers, even during that time period, are going to have something. But you'll see, you'll see some of the greatest games. So get ready on ESPN or Fox or whatever. And we'll definitely have some of those moments here. Fellas, thank you so much, man. And long live the Black Mamba. May be in our hearts forever. And we thank you, Kobe Bryant, for what you did. And the most important thing is we're lifting up your wife, Vanessa. If you remember, back in 2011, they almost threw in the towel. But somehow, yep. God kept them together. And I thank God mm -hmm. that they were able to do that. Absolutely. Thank, yes, sir. Thank, you, you all. thank you so much, gentlemen. Have a great day. God bless you as well.